1: Tonight on Fast, one of Wall Street's biggest bulls and a man who's been dead right about the direction of the market says today's sell-off is a great setup for a second half rally, where Fundstrat's Tom Lee is seeing the next big opportunity for your money. Plus, we're trading the crude collapse energy stocks taking in today's sell-off. Should you buy this big pullback? And later, the ultimate safety trade. One top technician lays out the best place to hide if you think there's more selling ahead. Welcome, everyone. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Courtney Reagan, in for Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, and Jeff Mills. And we're going to start off with that massive sell-up on Wall Street. It makes the most sense because stocks plunging today. The S&P 500 dropping more than a percent and a half. The Dow posting its biggest loss of the year. Every single S&P sector finishing the day in the red. New fears over rising cases of the Delta variant putting the reopening at risk. Investors rushing to safety, sending the yield on the 10-year Treasury to the lowest level since February, below 1.2. So let's break down today's brutal sell-off. Guy Adami, what is your take on the day? What a way to start the week.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Hi, Courtney. I, I, you know, brutal. A, it's a. I understand why you would say brutal. I get it. Worst day we've seen in quite some time. I actually thought it was pretty orderly. I think Dan would probably acknowledge that as well. We talked before the show, and I think it was necessary as well. It, you know, the technicians out there. I'm sure Jeff and Tim have thoughts, but you know, that 42.30 level ish, 50-day moving average bounced off of that. So for me, although I didn't anticipate today being what you know what happened, it makes a lot of sense, and I thought it was orderly. And it gives you something to trade against. And every time we've seen the VIX move to this magnitude, within a day or so, it ratchets right back down. So although it seems like an awful day on the surface, actually it was sort of encouraging in terms of washing some of the froth out.
1: All right, Dan, you got called out there. Do you think this is orderly, the VIX above 22 and the Dow having its worst day of the year?
3: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, you know, Courtney, I know you've been with us a few times over the last couple of weeks. I think the panel has been routinely saying the only thing out of order here over the last few weeks has really been stocks or U.S. stocks in particular, and the outperformance and the level of complacency. Here's the good news, though. Obviously, they took um, some cues from the bond market here. The 10 US, uh, 10-year U.S. Treasury yield um, got as low as 1.18. And the last time, you know, that, that yield was that low back in February, the S&P 500 was below 4,000. So, you know, to me, there's not too much probably more damage associated with the rate decline for stocks. Then we get into earnings, as we're obviously into earnings season right now. But really, it's that kind of super cap um, earnings that we're going to get at the end of the month with the Maga, the Facebook, the Microsoft, the Apple, the Google, the Amazon, um, and they really are going to dictate the next five or so percent, in my opinion, um, of this market. If expectations remain high and the stocks haven't come in too hard, then they're likely to sell off no matter what they print, but if the stocks are down a lot into it, they're likely to bounce on the way out.
1: What do you think about all of this, Tim? I know that Mike Santoli often tells us that corrections are good for the market. This is an OK thing to go through from time to time. But if it's because we're worried about the Delta variant, does that make the situation a little different?
4: So welcome again, Courtney. And I, I, I think... Look, the good news here is we've been here before. So the S&P trades back down to the 50. Uh, We haven't breached it. In fact, we haven't really breached this level, uh, the 50-day moving average on the S&P, at least through to the downside, since all the way back in February of 2020, you can argue, we've had a couple moments, September and October of last fall, um, were probably the toughest volatility market moments, and we we did get through that 50. Ultimately, though, it really did hold the 100 and traded above. So here we are again. So the good news is we've been before uh in terms of delta variance and the impact on on the the broader global economy sure a lot of concerns a lot of social concerns and and plenty needs to be discussed about that but but look we're a market show we're talking about growth dynamics i I don't think the the economy is ever going to be uh closed down like it did jeff mills mentioned that on friday i think we have a, a dynamic here where we've priced in a lot of pain and as dan said and as guy said Look, stock markets for the last four weeks, five weeks below the surface have been quite painful. The other good news here, and I, I hate to sound rosy on a day like today, but, but you really have changed investor positioning and sentiment. So if you look at the AAII investor intelligence surveys of, of really where sentiment is, um, look, considering we're only a couple percent off of all-time highs on the S&P and sentiment's come all the way back to really a, a almost a 20-month average, it's actually pretty good news for equity investors here that a lot lot of uh, the, the, you know, the, the fear, the anxiety has been priced in.
1: All right. So, Jeff, talk to me about that, Mr. General. I was on a beach on Friday, so I didn't hear what you had to say about it. But if Tim is right and if the market thinks that we're not actually going to go through massive shutdowns again when it comes to the economy, then why in the world did we sell off today nearly across the board?
5: Well, the market was sort of acting today like it was a COVID is back, duck and cover. If you look at what what led today, what rates did, I mean, rates obviously precipitously lower. Stay at home was higher. Leave your house was lower. Uh, biotech rallied. So today felt like COVID is back uh, and, and everybody needs to pile into those areas of the market that worked all throughout of 2020. And I just don't think... You want to be running toward that trade right now we talked a little bit about interest rates and obviously the market's been queuing off of rates for a long time i think that probably continues to be the case and just from a technical perspective you look at some of the flows into tlt so people betting on lower rates getting a little bit extreme really the opposite of what we saw a number of months ago and then carter worth published a note this morning i thought it was really interesting The only unfilled gap in the history of the 10-year Treasury yield was filled today at around 121. So I think from a technical perspective, you might expect some stability in rates. And if that ends up being the case, you have rates oversold in an uptrend. You get a little bit of a bounce. And then that starts to bleed into some equity sectors like financials, industrials, materials, uh, energy specifically, which I know we'll talk more about later, all still in an uptrend and all oversold. So I think you want to be more looking for opportunities there Running toward what worked in 2020.
1: Guy, what do you think when it comes to opportunities? Nice haircut, by the way.
2: Appreciate that. You know, it's amazing what a little pomade can do for you there, Courtney. (laughs) I think, listen, first of all, I'll say flat out, you know, I thought banks would continue the rally on the back of the earnings. That was incorrect. And Dan pointed that out. And actually, Karen was somewhat cautious going in earnings. What I'll say, though, is this in terms of Citibank, for example, you know, historically, when I say historically now over the last five or six years, when Citibank, Citibank gets down about 85% of tangible book, which basically it's $64, that's what it is. That, that's a tradable opportunity. So I think for some of these banks, maybe they can compress to levels where they make sense. And if Jeff is right, which, by the way, I think that he's going to be in terms of yields in a short-term bottom, I think banks for a trade might be really interesting here.
1: Tim, you know, Bitcoin was down more than two and a half percent today. What do you make of the action there? Is that an opportunity? Is this something that has still no fundamental basis? It seems to be moving with the market more recently than we've seen, at least initially when this first started to become quite a phenomenon.
4: Right. And, and, and bulls will tell you that actually it's store of value or it reacted to the right things. It reacted to the Fed. It reacted to, you know, the sense that if, it, if the Fed was getting a little bit more hawkish. Um, but look, I, I think right now Bitcoin charts are, are in a very difficult place and it's it's only possible for me to assess bitcoin from a technical perspective right now here and 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 playing around that thirty thousand level it really looks like the next level is twenty one thousand so i i think you have a case here where look i i think most bitcoin bulls have sat back and said look you know Maybe a little difficult to look at P&L, but this is nothing, uh, at least out of the ordinary of what the last five years have looked like and an uptrend when institutional adoption, by the way, really has, I think, never been stronger. Whether we get some of the regulatory follow through or not on Bitcoin products, I don't know. But I I see price action understandably appropriately trading with a, a, a multiple of one and a half to two times where volatility is more broadly. It should. Um, I don't think that means people are running out and and jumping out of this trade wholesale at this point. But technicals don't look good.
1: Dan, I know we're going to dig into energy a little bit later, but that was the worst sector of the day. Financials right behind it, though, down about 3 percent, of course, starting to get some earnings from that group. Any opportunity there that you see right now to take advantage of some of this sell off?
3: You know, we've been talking about that The it, it appeared that energy equities had been leading the way before crude had really um, broken here. So to me, you know, they might be down. I don't know, the OAH down 20 percent, the XLE um, large integrated down 20 percent. Um, maybe that's the level to play for a bounce. But I'm not so sure that crude oil um, is done going down, especially when you introduce the concerns about the variant uh, moving around in some parts of the globe where maybe the next leg of growth was kind of expected here as far as the bank are concerned. Um, yeah, you could see a technical bounce if you saw rates start to bounce a little bit. But again, going into the earnings, I think a lot of us thought that maybe uh, Q2 was as good as it got for t- uh, 2021. And maybe um, the fact that rates aren't likely to move precipitously higher above their prior highs in March is likely to keep banks um, within a trading range. So to me, I'll just make one other point. You know, you look at all those XL charts, the XLF, the XLE, um, there's a whole host of them. They all technically broke the uptrends that had been in place either from the 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 year-ago lows, or at least the lows that they were making in November prior to the vaccine news. So that technical setup is not particularly good, especially as we're kind of in this summer period where we know there tends to be um, a bit of volatility. So to me, I'm not so sure you want to buy a bounce tomorrow if we tend to bounce um, after this sort of move. I know the S&P held that 50-day moving average, but man, in the the landscape of moving averages, that's the least interesting to me. Talk to me when we get down to like the 100 150, which Carter likes, or maybe the 200.
1: All right, we will. We're going to hold you to that and watch those levels. But we're going to break down the sell-off further with Tom Lee. He's head of research at Fundstrat Global Advisors. He's also a CNBC contributor. Tom, thanks so much for joining us here today. Let's just start off with the big picture. What do you make of today? And what's your advice for investors looking to trade tomorrow?
6: Well, I think today's just a reminder that as much as we want COVID to kind of recede from our lives and from the markets, it's still one of the most important dominating drivers. And now we're in a seasonal period where COVID cases last year started to rise in July. So in some ways, I think it's seasonal. And it's a reason why I think July overall is just a month of chop and, and one where no one really should try to be a hero.
1: So, if you shouldn't try to be a hero what does that mean what if you have money that you want to put to work are you telling people not to do it or are you just saying don't sell out of the positions that you have
0: uh
6: i just think july's at least in my 30 years of doing research have never been great months for people to really make big profits so it is a and i think you you guys kind of hit it on the head you know there's a lot of uncertainty And the one thing I don't think people should do is think that this is sort of the end of the expansion and the bull market. But, yeah, for the next couple of weeks, I think it's, it's tough. I mean, July was tough last year and July is proving to be tough again. And, you know, when markets are strong in the first half, July tends to be pretty choppy. And I think that's playing out pretty textbook.
1: And so when you're looking at this July compared to last July, when, yes, the pandemic was certainly still raging, we did not have available vaccines then. Are you still as worried now, even though we have vaccines, but the Delta variant is causing new worry today? Does this make sense to you that the market should be selling off because of that?
6: Um, I mean, it's certainly clear that markets wariness is rising and The Delta variant is sort of evading what we think should be vaccine protection. Um, And we're, you know, the data that we've put together shows that from a seasonal perspective that the turn up in cases today is coinciding with the turn up in cases last year. So there is some seasonality, I think, to COVID probably because of the air conditioning season in the South. Um, But like last year, you know, cases rose for eight weeks But the stock market just had an initial sort of wobble and that's what we're experiencing now and then you know the cyclical trade came back on in force so i i I think people don't you know we shouldn't extrapolate and say that we've lost the war against covid but you know is the market acting textbook in covid cases yeah i would say so so I, i think again the message i would have is it's not a month to be a hero july is is typically choppy and i think it's a choppy month
2: Tom it's interesting you know over my career the, the commodities typically lead their associated or correlated equities but we're seeing what I'm seeing at least I'm sure you've seen this as obvious as well some of these energy stocks have just gotten obliterated and now the commodity seems to be moving so I guess my question is is the worst priced in in terms of the equities maybe a little more to go on the commodity front but you know have these equities sold off where it's they're starting to get interesting again
6: uh yeah I mean guy I think that stocks are still going to have a double digit second half. So, any sell off we're seeing in July is not something that we, you know, you have to dig, the market has to dig itself out of. But you're absolutely right. I mean, in in a month when markets wobble, we have a buyer strike. Commodity stocks were leading year to date, so they're vulnerable to profit taking. So, uh, it's been an absolute massacre. But again, I. I look at this tightness, especially in the oil market, favorable for the price of oil, capital discipline by the energy company. So, you know, again, I, as painful as this uh, sell has been, I think they're going to have a strong second half.
1: Tom, thank you for joining us. We are going to be on the lookout to see what that second half indeed does hold for us. Let's go ahead and trade this. Jeff, I want to get you back in on the conversation. What do you make about what Mr. Lee has to say there? July just a lousy month, but a double digit second half?
5: I certainly think it's possible, right? And and the weakness that we've seen, he we talked about this a little bit on Friday, You know, the weakness that we've seen today more at the index level, it's been going on under the surface for some time. So it's been choppy really for months. If you look at the average stock in the Russell 1000, I think it's about 10% off its recent three-month high. So this is weakness that we're now just starting to see at the top of the market. And Dan mentioned how important tech's going to be over the next few weeks. I agree because that's really what's been masking some of the weakness. So um, from an index perspective, I would pay attention to those names, but there are opportunities under the surface because you've already seen weakness play out in a lot of other areas of the market. Uh, and just relative to energy, again, I know we'll touch on it more later, but I do think some of the dynamics relative to the price of the commodity will likely work itself out over the next number of weeks. I think the supply-demand dynamics probably positive for the price uh and energy equities have just moved so dramatically to the downside. Uh talked about this during our, our call earlier today, but zero percent of energy stocks are above their fifty-day moving average. So um, there's definitely opportunity uh if you look in the right places here.
1: Dan I want to bring you in here, as Jeff pointed out, what you're thinking about technology. It actually was one of the better performing groups, though still down more than 1.4 percent here today. What do you make of technology? Expound on those thoughts a bit.
3: Yeah, there's two buckets, right? So we have these super caps and we know like Jeff just said that they've really helped the 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 broad market really buoy itself as there's been a lot of correction, you know, uh, going on underneath the surface. But I will mention this. I mean, you know, look at some of the performance of some of these high growth stocks, maybe there were recent IPOs um, that we've seen over the last, you know, year and a half that have had these explosive runs, but they had a massive correction off their highs in the late fall or earlier this year. They had big big runs runs off their May lows, some of them 50%. And I'll just mention one of those was Zoom. You know, And they just bought a company um, today, or they announced using their cash, a $15 billion acquisition. This company went public about two and a half years ago, and they got a $10 billion market cap. So I think that what's really interesting to see that's, that some of these names are now understanding um, that they're going to use some of this currency that they have, that, that they've been granted by basically Like proving their business model during the pandemic. So I think that's a really interesting thing as far as tech's concerned. So we might start to see some more M&A, which might uh, be perceived as bullish.
1: And speaking of tech, we have an earnings alert on IBM. Shares jumping in the after hours as the company's call gets underway. Let's get over to Josh Lipton. He's got more. Hi, Josh.
7: So, Courtney, heading into this print, remember, IBM was up about 10% this year. That was down about 10% from its 52-week high and now heading higher, though, here in the after hours. As for the results, beats on the bottom and the top. As for the forecast, IBM saying it continues to expect revenue growth for the year. I did check in with Mo- Mosh Katri over at Wedbush. He covers the, the name. He's actually called this, in his opinion, a mixed performance. Cloud growth decelerating sequentially, but on the positive side, he says, Red Hat growth accelerating. Also, he says improvements in services revenue and margins. He maintains a neutral rating on the stock. On the call, CEO Arvind Krishna is saying IBM continues to make progress. The overall spend environment, he says, continues improving. Industries, he notes, are getting back on track. IBM is on track, he says, to achieve its financial expectations for the year. There have been changes, he says, like Jim Whitehurst stepping down from his role. But Jim, he says, remains a strong believer in IBM, and we understand his desire to now become an investor. Back to you all.
1: Thank you very much, Josh. Let's trade this one. Tim, what do you make here? Of course, IBM has not been one of the highest performing tech names as of late. We know Microsoft has certainly outperformed it, Oracle as well. But does that mean there's opportunity here, or is it time to still just sit back and wait?
0: Well,
4: first of all, on the, on the Red Hat former CEO departure, I, I, I don't like that news. I don't like the deceleration in growth there, and, and I, even though I think that was a, an important acquisition to get them moving in the right direction. So 11 acquisitions this year, eight more last year. I mean, it's a company that is, is trying the tuck-in route, is doing whatever they can, um, and yet revenue growth still very stagnant. I don't think it's terribly cheap. Uh, we've, we we could have been having this kind of a conversation about, about IBM two years ago possibly three years ago. Um, It's hard to be overly negative with the direction that the company's uh, taken. And I think they're in the right businesses and they're moving in the right businesses and leveraging the overall network effect of their their enterprise client base. But not chasing that one here, especially with a pullback in broader tech, there's better places to be.
1: General Mills, big blue going to make some big green or not so much?
5: Yeah, so Tim and I were on opposite sides of this Friday on traded or faded. I was I was in the <laughs> traded camp. Uh, I was reasonably pleased with the growth rates in terms of revenue, EPS margins. They're paying down debt, which I like. So it, it's definitely in this show me phase for investors. But I think this quarter was probably good enough. I think you see the stock up in after hours, probably reflective of that. But did mention the high dividend yield. So almost five percent there. You have a little bit of a margin of safety, and and I really do think they're committed to this growth. Uh, you know, whether, whether it's the Kindrel spin out, whether it's the, the blue tab acquisition that they just announced. I mean, they have a lot going on and they also have a reasonably strong free cash flow position. So they'll be able to invest back in some of those areas of the market uh, that I think are going to be able to drive growth for them. Obviously, over 3,000 hybrid cloud clients now. That continues to be a positive for the company. So I, I still think you can take a chance on the stock here. And I like being on the value side of technology.
1: All right, IBM shares are higher after hours as that conference call continues. Coming up, we are trading the crude collapse. Oil handing in its worst day since October. So is there a big buying opportunity in the energy pullback? And later, the best-looking chart in the market. One top technician lays out the ultimate safety trade following today's big sell-off. Don't go anywhere. There is a lot more fast money right after this.
0: You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
8: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place?
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Oil dropping hard today in the sell-off. Crude falling more than 7% for its worst day since September, sitting at mid-66 dollars. Energy stocks following suit. Some big names falling hard. Valero Energy, EOG Resources, Marathon Oil, all deep in the red. But one of our traders sees some opportunity in this pullback. Jeff, what are you looking at? Make your case here.
5: Well, first of all, I think the move in the commodity price may be a little bit overdone I mean really hard to call in the very short term, but I was reading some analysis this morning, and if you look at the market in q three probably short about three million barrels a day, even with this added supply from OPEC plus that gap probably grows wider in the fourth quarter, so You know, you you have that additional supply, but it's not particularly bearish relative to the current supply-demand dynamics. The most bearish outcome where you have this price war within OPEC certainly didn't materialize. So I think the the price of the commodity ultimately stabilizes, and we mentioned this earlier, stocks have actually moved ahead of the drop in the commodity. So I look at a stock like EOG uh, and I see an opportunity down some 20 percent. This is a company that's generally better positioned versus peers for a lower oil price environment. Anyway, And I don't know if it's an all-time low, but it's pretty close to it in terms of a forward price-to-earnings multiple at 9.8 times forward. So I think generally speaking, if you're talking about holding it for you know, a somewhat longer period of time, maybe 12 months or so, uh, this is a reasonable entry point for some of these names that have gotten beat up.
1: Yeah, you're getting EOG on sale if you want it here. It's down about 5 percent. Guy, what do you make of some of these names in the energy space? If the economy is going to recover, but not still at a pace that we've seen most recently, a recovery is a recovery, right? And we need oil to move that economy forward, both here in the United States and around the world. So could there be a case to make for why energy makes sense as an investment here?
2: Yeah, I think so. And that's why I want to know Tom Lee's thoughts before we get to this, uh, this, uh, this block because, you know, he sort of shares some of the thoughts I do. Listen, I didn't think the, these stocks would sell off nearly to the magnitude that they have. But with that said, here we are. Halliburton, to me, is really fascinating. They report tomorrow morning, I believe, before the bell. I mention it because Bank of America today put them on their U.S. one list. They removed Schlumberger. And if you look... Massive double top at 25 bucks from December 2019 to the June high, traded down to 19 I think that's enough where Halliburton could be really interesting, let them report earnings, see what they say. But for just a catch-up trade, I think HAL makes a lot of sense.
1: HAL down 3.5% today. Dan, I know you sort of touched on this earlier on in the show. Expand on your thoughts here about the energy trade.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, listen. If you were just looking at any one of these inflation inputs that people have been screaming about for the last couple of months, that had kind of ripped higher earlier in the year, but have come off pretty dramatically, it made perfect sense that crude oil might do the same. And the confluence of events with the OPEC Plus, um, you know, volatility around whether they were going to reach a deal or not, um, you know, it, it all kind of coincided now with this this variant um, really becoming a concern for some investors here, or at least about uh, the pace of second half growth. If you look at crude oil, and Jeff just said something really interesting that he expects it to kind of find a home and consolidate, go back and look back in March. Um, crude was at a high. I think it got back to the high 60s. It sold off maybe 15%, and it actually had a high single-digit down day, a big down day, and then it consolidated. We might be in the throes of that, too. I know that um, Guy and Tim um, think that crude ultimately works higher here, and this might just be one of those kind of mid, um, mid-cycle recovery you know. Palpitations that we're seeing, so I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any issues with with the fact that we have this correction. Uh, a lot of people were scratching their heads over the last two months, watching crude oil tick up every day just a little bit, and saying, "How can this be um, so orderly?" So the fact is, you know the drill: it's elevator up, uh, you know, ele- elevator down, escalator up, elevator down, and that's what we had right here.
1: Got it. Thank you, gentlemen. Coming up next, the ultimate safety trade. One top technician lays out where you can hide if you think there's more selling ahead. You're going to want to hear that one. And later, we're breaking down what worked today and why one of our traders says buyer beware. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. We're back right after this.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets?
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks plummeting on Wall Street today. The Dow handing in its worst day of the year, falling more than 700 points. And check out the 10-year yield, holding 1.19 percent. Just two weeks ago, your next guest said 1.25 percent was the key level to watch for yield. So now that we've crashed below that, where are we headed from here? Let's go off the charts with Chris Brown of Strategist. Chris, take it away.
9: Hey, Courtney, how you going? So listen, I think you know going through 125 is certainly a psychological break of what people perceive to be a very important level. But let's keep things in perspective. The yield peaked at 175 in March. Uh, they were something um, like 50, 60 basis points at this point last summer. That 110 to 112 range is the 50 percent midpoint between those two levels. So I think it's early to say this has been some Uh, apocalyptic breakdown here. I do suspect yields ultimately bottom somewhere in this 110, 112, 115 zone. We have seen sentiment shift dramatically over the last number of weeks from inflation fears just a month ago to growth fears and COVID fears right now. So I think the sentiment on the street is changing. That's helpful. And I think ultimately putting a low in uh, on yields. As far as what this means for equities, I want to show you an important slide. This is something we've been talking about in our work Uh, Over really the last month or two, that the correction that we saw in equities today really can be traced back many weeks or many months ago. The average stock, the average Russell 1000 stock is actually already down about 10% uh, from the high. So there's been weakness under the surface for a while. Industrials are down something like 10. The average bank stock uh, is down about 10 uh, as well. If you go to even some of the weaker pockets of this market, the average material stock Down about 13. Average discretionary stock down uh, about the same. Average energy stock down about 16. So you know this correction is not one day old. A lot of these groups, the average issue, really peaked about two months uh, or so ago. So if we uh, put this in context of the broader S and P, and several have mentioned it, Guy, you talked about it, Dan, you talked about it. That 50-day moving average has been big support along the way. I'm not convinced it's going to ultimately hold up through this summer. The 200 days is about 38.95. It's adding about five points a day. I do think ultimately the SP and the 200 will meet somewhere around 4,000 over the next month or two. So, what do we want to own in that environment? And this is almost going to sound silly, but I think the best defense here might actually be some offense. The pockets of the market that have already corrected are, frankly, pretty oversold uh, under the surface. I want to show you the industrials. This is the XLI, and that bottom panel are the flows into and out of the XLI. You've really seen complete liquidation already over the last several months, huge outflows from XLI. The correction here has already happened. I think if we get another leg lower in the broader market, it's the big tech weights, it's the big fang weights that get you there. It's the offensive cyclicals like industrials that may actually prove to be defensive uh, this time around.
1: Thank you very much, Chris, for breaking that down The move on the tenure, You're getting a lot of attention today. Let's trade it. Tim, what do you make of the moves today and what the bond market is telling us?
4: Well, I mean, first of all, here here's a PSA for when yields eventually get to one seventy five or God forbid two percent folks. This is a good thing. It's not reason to jump out of windows and, and I you know it's 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 extraordinary that that that's also where we were um, but so so look, if Chris is right, um, one twelve to one fifteen or maybe even here, uh, Jeff brings up Carter's note, look either way. Um, who's been most highly sensitive to the move in rates? It's been banks. Uh, We've come through an earnings period where people forget the credit quality in the banking sector is as good as it's been in a long, long time. I'm not gonna you know, say in my lifetime, but it, you know, who knows? Um, And and also what the banks have also gone through in terms of their ability to uh, pass capital standard tests and give more back to investors. Uh, Also just a trend we've seen in bank earnings over the last uh, four or five years, which is that they don't trade well when they get the earnings announcements. Uh, And as you start to sort through here, I think you're going to see a lot of the banks start to rally. So look, after all this pain, uh, both in banks, exactly Chris's theme, some of these uh, places to play offense to me are, are financials, industrials. I'm not sure I'm ready to go there because I think there's still going to be a lot more concern around growth i don't think the delta variant concerns go away for another four to six weeks but um i do think banks have priced in a lot of pain and you've gotten reaffirmation of credit quality uh, and their capital markets plans
1: guy what do you make of the charts that mr barone brought us
4: it's a 10-year which is fascinating you know chris
2: was on on a thursday and he said that you know the 10-year was probably gonna trade down to one and a quarter hold and bounce and quite frankly that's exactly what happened if you do remember Traded down to 125 two trading days later. Ten-year yields were 141. So that was a prescient call. I didn't see this move down to 119 coming. I don't think Chris necessarily did either. But what he said then is holds true now. You're still talking about an upward-sloping moving average, which typically um, it bodes pretty well if you think rates are going to go higher, which I do. So didn't see this one coming, but I do think rates go higher from here.
1: Well, coming up, the green arrows in today's Sea of Red. Yeah, there were some. We'll break down the breakouts and how to trade them. Plus, shopping for opportunity. The one retail name options traders have had their eye on in today's sell-off. We'll bring it to you when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Markets in sell-off mode today, but take a look at some of the trades that worked. Moderna, Peloton, NVIDIA, Etsy, DocuSign, they're all showing green in today's sea of red. But Tim, you say the bounce in these state home plays might be a head fake. Tell us why.
4: Well, I think the fundamentals for a handful of stay-at-home stocks uh, are coming out of COVID actually in very good shape, like a restoration hardware, and who, by the way, in the last you know couple months have added to the membership fee, uh, are now banging you for $250 on, on delivery. So there, there's different ways to, to actually raise the margin in the business, and I think that's good news. I, I like William sonoma I like other housing plays. I, I don't like the Pelotons. Uh, I don't like the Zooms. Uh, I don't like high multiple tech that I still think in the environment we're in uh, will come under some pressure. So the instinct on a day, like today is to go back into some of those trades if you think you know it's it's kind of game back on and it's and it's it's really take out the old playbook it's not um, and, and in fact, the market has, to me, um, started to assess where, you know, companies that go back to a normalized earnings profile um, and where they are and the mulligan of, of, of 21 is over. And in fact, it's it's it works to the upside, too. In other words, so those companies that actually had such extraordinary earnings a year ago and even into 21 are ones that I think also analysts and most importantly, investors um, should not be given uh, that, that same comp comparison.
1: Dan, what's your instinct today?
3: Yeah, I think Tim's right about a lot of those work from home ones, but you know, there was one that caught my eye today, you know, with all this Delta variant news, you saw the airlines getting absolutely destroyed, especially the ones that rely on some of those long haul flights and some business travel, United um, was down like 5.5% today, down 30% from its recent highs. Here's a name that was green in this tape. A recent IPO from a SPAC merger wheels up, um, trading up a couple percent today. This one's really interesting. Tim just mentioned those normalized comps. In 2020, I I read today that wheels up sales were up 80% year over year. In Q1, they were up 68%. So when you think about all these variants, and you heard Bill Ackman this morning on CNBC say, he's getting out to it, out and about, right? I think business travel is here to stay in America and, and these businesses are going to find other ways to do it if it's not going to be commercial. So I think wheels up could be a pretty interesting um, way to do that. And then one last point, primarily domestic here. I think 90 percent of their sales are domestic. So I bought some of that today. I think that could be an interesting one in this whole space.
1: Jeff, what do you make of some of these green names today? Is this a head fake? Is it here to stay?
3: I'm with tim i i
5: just think the market has some muscle memory relative to what worked last year when fears of covid start to perk up again and i just don't think like i said early in the show i don't think that's going to be the prevailing environment that's really the driver of leadership here if i'm looking at my screen today and I'm, i'm seeing what was green i'm most interested in the builders because i think conceivably you could have an environment where rates start to drift a little bit higher where the growth narrative returns and builders still do pretty well i mentioned dhi last week Back down to seven and a half times Ford, uh, Still looking pretty good there. Uh, and I think you have an opportunity after, you know, a 15 to 20% sell-off in a lot of these names. So of the green on my screen today, I want to focus in areas like that versus these pure COVID stay-at-home plays.
1: Some of the meme stocks actually held up well today, too. Well, coming up, retail under pressure today. But options traders are betting the worst could be over for this trade. We're going to break down that action. And later, we're setting you up for the week ahead. we got four days left. How our traders are positioned following today's big drop. Stick with us. There is much more Fast Money right after this.
8: Miss a moment of Fast? Catch us anytime on the go. Follow the Fast Money podcast.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Retail under pressure in today's sell-off with the XRT retail ETF falling just about 1%. But check out Nordstrom. That stock's falling nearly 3.5% today. It is now down 13% in just the last week. I just spoke with the Nordstrom CEO and asked him about the rising risks of the Delta variant. Here's what Eric Nordstrom had to say.
4: Overall, we're we're seeing a continuing of, of opening up, of uh, people excited to just to get back out there, and and in particular in stores, uh, store traffic is uh, uh, has been rebounding in, in a really encouraging way. But there's there's uncertainty, and and um, you know for us, uh, how do we deal with that? We, you know, we we focus on our customers, but we have to be really nimble. We have to. Uh, respond to what, what customers are looking for. But uh, today, uh, it's been uh, all in a very positive direction.
1: Nordstrom also seeing a lot of action in the options pits today. Let's get to Mike Coe with more on that. Mike, what are you seeing?
9: Yeah, so we actually saw a tremendous amount of options activity across the retail space. Nordstrom was certainly one of them. We also saw that in Gap stores, Kohl's stores, Target, Macy's. Uh, AEO, all of these we're seeing a lot of activity. Nordstrom specifically, we saw a big put sale early in the day on 2.4 times the average daily options volume. But that put sale is really more of a bullish bet. Somebody taking advantage of the fact that people are expressing a great deal of distress, willing to get long that stock at a lower level. And then, of course, targeting earnings, which are going to be coming up on August 19th. And there we saw somebody buying 3,000 of the August 37, 42 and a half call spreads. And so that also expressing a bullish outlook going into earnings, trying to take advantage of today 's weakness and elevations and implied volatility to try to position themselves for a potential rebound
1: Mike, thank you very much let 's kick this around and trade it. Guy, I want to go to you
2: thirty one dollars is a really interesting level. you remember Courtney. I think it was December when Nordstrom said that huge move from like fourteen to thirty two pretty much in a straight line, and since then we 've been going sideways to slightly higher so thirty one makes sense. If you're looking in retail, though, one name we've talked about pretty consistently now for the last few years, Dollar Gen today was pretty much positive all day long on what was obviously an awful tape we've talked about the entire show. I think Dollar Gen is really interesting for a breakout, and I like Mike's uh, play in the Nordstrom options.
1: Hmm. Interesting stuff. And you talk about the price action in Nordstrom. Remember, in 2018, the company said that $50 a share was too low to take the company private. 31 today. For more options action, be sure to tune in to the full show Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Well, still ahead, we're setting you up for tomorrow's trading session. How are traders positioned following today's big sell off? We're back right after this with the answers. Welcome back. Here's a sneak peek at the Kramer Cam. Jim's cracking open his playbook following the Dow's worst day of the year. You're going to catch that coming up at the top of the hour on Mad Money. Let's get you set up, though, for the rest of the week following today's big sell-off. Let's check out the huge slate of earnings on deck. We've hardly talked about earnings, but we've got Chipotle, United Airlines, Coca-Cola... Intel, Snapchat, and Twitter, among those all set to report. Plus, it's a big week for the housing trade. We'll get fresh data, housing starts, new mortgage apps, and existing home sales all over the next few days. So, following today's pullback, how are you guys all positioned for the week to come? Tim, we'll start with you. you got a lot to work with here.
4: You do. And so in terms of the macro, first of all, I'm watching the dollar also, which, which has this double bottom it's been working on. And I think um, as long as you continue to see the dollar moving higher and possibly pushing through this 93 and a quarter level, I, I think it's going to be tough. For a significant part of the cyclical equity world but um, the housing numbers I think are very important I think you've got some some oil inventory numbers also that will be uh, supplementary information for the, the the supply side but also the demand side of that oil trade I think on the earnings side you know if you notice semiconductors were flat today I think Intel's numbers uh, while Intel is a story of uh, essentially you know c- committing and investing in the business and and foundry and 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 all of the new kind of initiatives that they're bringing forth again um, I think you have to look and hear what they're saying in terms of demand cycles. And again, for chips, it's, it's really been more about a supply disruption trade. So watch, watch that.
1: Jeff, what's your setup going into tomorrow?
4: So first of all, this, this answer people don't like, even
5: though it's the right answer. I'm going I'm to remind myself that we're still up 13% year to date. I'm going to remind myself that we're still up 130% over the last 12 months. I think that's really important. So to invoke Tom Lee from earlier, don't be a hero. Uh, but then what I'm watching, I mean, look, rates, rates, rates. I know we've said it 100 times during the show, but at these technical levels, I think how they respond in the coming weeks is going to be really important and telling for all sorts of things.
1: I like perspective, important for all of us in many situations. Dan, what is your position going into tomorrow and the rest of the week, frankly?
3: Yeah, so we had this late um, afternoon rally. It was really in the last half an hour of the day. It looked like the S&P might break, make new lows at like 3 o'clock and it closed well off of them. I'd love to see a little bit of green on the opening and then maybe a flush out. If you're optimistic about like the, you know, the second half, and I think Tom said double-digit returns in the second half, you want to see a bit of a washout. I don't think we we're too oversold just yet here. So to me, I'd love to see an up opening tomorrow and then maybe lower lows and at least down one
1: guy your take
2: I think rates are right but just to add one more voice to this i think crude, you're looking for a day where the commodity the crude commodity goes lower but the underlying equities actually go higher we haven't seen that for a while i think you might see it this week if you do i think that will give you the all clear to get long these energy stocks for a trade
1: coming up next it's already time for your final trades we'll be right back It's time for the final trades. Let's go around the horn. Tim, we're starting with you.
4: Thanks for joining us, Courtney. One of Guy Adami's favorite songs from the 70s was Billy Don't Be a Hero by Paper Lace. (laughs) And if you're picking Walmart, you are not being a hero in this tape. This is a company that gets major tailwinds from e-commerce and expanding multiple. I like Walmart. Dan.
3: Listen, there's been a lot of criticisms of some of these new issuance via SPAC. I think this wheels up could be an interesting one, especially when you consider there's very few good stories in business travel right now.
1: Mr. Mills. It's got a
5: lesser-known name for you here, PTC Inc. It's technology, but it's Internet of Things, augmented reality, really in the industrial and manufacturing space. It's been consolidating for
2: about six months. I think it's about to resume higher.
1: Lesser-known names are fun, and Guy Domi, take us home.
2: Little known fact, Tim's band, uh, None the Wiser, covers Billy Don't Be a Hero. Tim, I'm vocals. FedEx traded well today, Courtney.
1: Thanks for watching. Fast Money, Mad Money starts right now.
7: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.